Hello, and welcome to the Hearth and Hedge podcast. My name is Amberly, and I'm so pleased to have you join me today. Today's episode, I have a very exciting guest. Uh, she is the founder of the Center for Shamanism, which is an online school and community based around Celtic shamanistic practices. She's also the author of the new book, The Cauldron and the Drum, A Journey into Celtic Shamanism. Please welcome Rhonda McCrimmon. Rhonda, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for the invite. It's lovely to be here. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'd like to give you a chance to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about where you're from. I'm, I, I think people will notice that you're not from the United States. No, no, I'm not. So I'm Rhonda and I'm Scottish. I'm from Scotland, born and bred. And I live on the, the east coast of Scotland in the Angus Glens, which would have been Pictish country for anybody who knows of that area. And I live with a community of uh, a couple of families. And we are, like here, we try and recreate the past or the villages of the past. So we raise our families together, we eat together, we like share the load of like running our household together, which is really magical and sets up like some of the things that I try and talk about in my teaching, which is like the magic is in the mundane, it's in the everyday choices that we make and um, just living a life that is connected to yourself, the land the spirits of the land and trying to just do our best in this kind of crazy old world really so yeah that's that's me pretty much that's great that's uh sounds idyllic and uh can I move up there with you guys? well I don't know you'd really need a lot of, we all need a lot of therapy to be able to do it I have to say it's, it's got us that do you know what I mean like we all work really have to work really hard to make that work it's not like there's no magic wand involved but um we we are managing really well thankfully that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah, I uh, I would love to be able to quit my nine to five and go and 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 do that with my family. Um, mm. Not, I'm not assuming that you don't have a nine to five. I'm just saying that's what. Yeah, I would no, like I to don't do. have it. No, this is my this is my the center for shamanism is my nine to five. I actually used to be an accountant, um, so I worked in um, cor- okay. the corporate world. And when my dad died about 10 years ago almost to the day actually it was just a few days ago it was his 10 year anniversary of his death and it was at that point I was like absolutely not there's got to be more to life than this oh my goodness so it took, it took a few years but I've been doing this full time for about six years now and I love it it's just such a such a blessing to be able to do that's that great. so yeah that's great mm-hmm. Well, before we get into it, um, I have a question that I ask all my guests. Uh-huh. What are you drinking today? Oh, I'm drinking uh, carbonated water or fizzy water, as it's known in Scotland. I don't know. What... <laughs> yeah. But what is funny now that you ask that is that I have a lovely teapot prepared downstairs with um, rose and um, heather. I gathered myself. I thought I'm going to make myself a really nice cup of tea. I'm going to bring it on the podcast. It's going to be lovely. And I've just occurred to me that I don't have it. So I'm going to um, enjoy it afterwards instead. And that'll be fine. Good. Yeah, it'll be a nice calm down. That's yeah. awesome. Um, how about reading? What are you reading or watching? Oh, um, well, reading, there's two things that um, I'm reading at the moment. One of them is this book called um, 
cunning folk and familiar spirits, shamanistic visionary traditions in early modern British witchcraft and magic. That was a mouthful by Emma Wilby. This is really cool. This is an academic book. So as someone who's not an academic and with ADHD, my attention span is not great for books like this. So Mm -hmm. I have it. I read a few pages at a time, kind of absorb it. And then I have um, somewhat easier books on the go what is the other one i'm reading just now i'm reading one called um where is it oh yeah i remember i'm re reading this one when the body says no by gabor mate nice. that's such a good book and it's really similar to the other one the body keeps the score like that's mm-hmm. bessel van der kolk i think that does that one so i'm all in in about my nervous system and the hidden cost of stress at the moment as well so those are the types of books that I'm reading I've usually got a few on the go nice nice I always have a ton of books going um so I understand that (laughs) um do you have a favorite uh metaphysical or occult book hmm I don't know if I would say I I'm not really I don't really do that maybe metaphysical and occult is not really the I mean shamanism is metaphysical right yeah 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 So I was thinking about that and I was like, do you know, this book called Healing Threads by Mary Beath. I don't know if you know that one, but it's such a beautiful book and it's the traditional medicines of the highlands and islands. Oh, that sounds And it's gorgeous and it's full of like, um, well, let's see, magical water and smelly onions is one of the chapters. Folk healers, it talks about stones, um, enchantments, charms, rituals, incantations. There's a lot about herbal medicine in there as well. So I think, you know, I really do love this this book quite a lot. Nice. It's good. That's great. Yeah. Um, how about author? So there is an author called Claude Poncelet who wrote a book called The Shaman Within. I think it's something like a physicist's guide to life, the world and everything or something like that. And it was one of the first books I read um, when, when I was beginning my shamanic journey and it's really underpinned all of my like mm, deep dedication to ethical practice and um, impeccability in the way that I present myself in this life and I really love it so I'd say that Claude Poncelet was was probably my favourite author unfortunately he's only written one book and he passed away so yeah yeah, won't get any sad, but yeah. no more from Claude. But I, I just, yeah, that book was life changing for me. And also because I was in a um, very corporate environment, he comes also from a corporate environment. He works for sustainability for the U.S. government and all kinds of things. And he talks about how he bring how he brings shamanism, or spirituality into boardrooms in a very unassuming, impeccable, quiet way, which was brilliant for me and allowed mm-hmm. me to do that in my life so yeah that's great I love it that's wonderful well I'm I'm definitely gonna look that up um all right so we're gonna switch over to mundane do you have a favorite mundane author well mundane I don't do a huge amount of reading mostly because I think because I have ADHD I'm probably I have discovered recently probably a touch of autism. I tend to reread the same things just over and over and over and mm-hmm. over again. But I reckon if I had to pick one, it would probably be Terry Pratchett. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I really 
um, really enjoy his books. Yeah. Nice. Do you have a favorite book of his? Oh, probably like one of the Vimes series. I really liked um, Snuff. That was a really good. That was a really good one. And then I think about there is another author that I really like actually, um, and you probably know it because it's been going it's been going for a long time. But it's called the Earth Children series. So, um, the premise of that is basically this like young woman. She's in the ice age and she's born, and as her family are lost when she's like four or five in this catastrophic incident, and then she's picked up by Neanderthals and is brought up by them, and then it's all about her life and how she finds her way back to homeostasis and all this and it's super interesting and Sounds I found the first book in a in Florida in a thrift store when I was 17 and this woman so this author took like 20 years or something to finish this series so it only finished recently in the last like few years I think can't quite remember but what's really interesting is that I think that series um, influenced my life quite heavily and um this yeah just in the in the way of like seasons and cycles the spiritual leader of a community how a community could thrive together there's all these themes that run through it it's quite fascinating but what i what i feel sad about when i remember that series is that the woman who wrote it was so intent on keeping these fictional books academically correct that she kind of became a bit of a slave to that and lost the story, right? So, yeah, yeah. So the last couple of books were really disappointing, and I would actually be interested. I should put this on my Instagram and ask if anybody else noticed this. Um, and I find it's an interesting metaphor for the where I find myself on my spiritual path as well. So it's like making a choice between kind of rigidly sticking to what the academics have to say about my Celtic past which, by the way, changes regularly, and they all argue about it anyway, or to li- to just read in and um, educate myself and then really listening to the spirits and the ancestors and serving today's story mm-hmm. rather than being a slave to an old story. So right. for me, these books taught me a lot of things in quite unusual ways, I guess. So That's yeah. great. That's great. So that is um, Jean All. That's the one. Wrote them? Okay. Okay. Cool, cool, cool trying to find that so that I can let the listeners know. Um, I got to find my place. I'm sorry. You're all right. Okay. Before we talk about your book, Mm -hmm. I have a friend um, who is just a darling human. uh, And she wanted me to tell you that she thanks you very much for putting yourself out there and giving us this information. She said that oh. she read your book and she felt like she was going home. Oh, amazing. So, uh, Kristen, I told her. <laughs> much, much love to you, Kristen. Like, yeah. Send me a message on Instagram. You'll find me. I'm really open. Like, I chat to everybody. Nice, nice. Yeah. All right. You hear that, Kristen? <laughs> okay. Um, so, as you were writing this book, um, what was it that you liked about writing it the most? Hmm. I think that I really enjoyed the process of bringing ancient wisdom, such as we know it, into focus. 
for so many people is like bridging the gap between the academic, as I've mentioned, right, the academic mm-hmm. books that are like really difficult to read and not really that transferable to like day to day practice. At least for mm-hmm. me, they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and making that knowledge relevant and easy to digest for my readers on a, on an everyday level. So I really did enjoy that part of writing the book. That's great. How about what yeah. did you like the least about it? <laughs> well. A few things, honestly. So I got um, I, I got asked to write the book, right? So I've got quite a big following on TikTok, and I'm quite quiet on TikTok right now. It goes through phases, so I'm not really on it much at the moment. But I was at the time, and this guy gets in touch and says, "Oh, you know, would you would you write a book for us?" And I, I was like, "Okay." I, actually, I thought it was a scam. There's a whole story there. I thought it was so. Is that, when does that happen? Someone right. from a publishing company just gets in touch. I thought it was a scam, but it wasn't. <laughs> So we're all good. But Mirren, who is my youngest daughter, was quite young and breastfeeding. So she was still waking up at night and I was really tired. So, do you know, it was really hard to find the time and the space and the, because uh, you're exhausted, all the mothers out there, right? When you're so tired, it's hard to mm-hmm. connect with your creativity and your, as I would call it, your imbass or your, um, your inspiration. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of writing in the middle of the night when Mirren was awake. And uh, that I didn't enjoy very much. <laughs> it was quite, it was tough. Yeah. So yeah. The, the circumstances around the book were quite, quite challenging. Yeah. 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 Well, wow. That sounds difficult. Um, so obviously you were, you were asked to write this book. So that was yeah. probably kind of your motivation, but what made you actually decide to say yes? Uh, well, um, I think I said yes because I have a um, part, well, a part of my practice is to just listen, feel my way through things. And it was a big yes. So that really is enough for me as I follow my guidance. And um, I knew, I think I was in a bit of denial about wanting to write a book. I was trying to get my husband to write a book and he's like, babe, you're like definitely projecting. Like you need to, <laughs> you need to write the book. I'm like, okay. So I had imagined I would maybe do that in like 10 or so years, you know, when I was like old enough or whatever. Mm-hmm. So in inverted commas, I'm doing that in case anybody's just listening. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I thought, well, the guide said I have to do it. I kind of thought I would at some point. So I'll just see what comes. So that's what I did. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I've um, been trying to work up my my motivation. I'm working on a book, but... I probably need to put more effort into it. <laughs> well, it helps when you have been given money and a contract and a deadline. Oh, I would imagine. <laughs> and then you're like, imagine. and then you're like, oh shit, no, I really actually do have to write it. <laughs> well, you hear that, publishing companies? I need, I need that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you think that you're going to be writing again? Do you have anything else you've been thinking about doing? For sure. I think we'll do another book. The book came out on the 9th of January. Mm-hmm. So I am having a brain break at the moment. Good. But we've had mm-hmm. like very gentle um, discussions about the next book. So I've no idea what that'll be yet. That's great. That's great. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Um. So you 
talk about the three cauldrons in yes. in your book. And I've heard this from my other friend who studies with a, sh- a shaman in uh, Wisconsin. And she told me a little bit about it. Could you explain that to the listeners a little bit? Yeah, sure. So the three cauldrons are power centers, maybe like chakras, but not not the same. But like if you wanted an equivalent, that would or mm-hmm. dungeons in Chinese, the three dungeons. And it makes sense to me that the symbol of the cauldron would be used in this symbolism to map your inner landscape. Mm-hmm. Because um, it's such an important symbol in Celtic cosmology, really, you find it everywhere, um, folklore, myths, ancient poems. But what's also true is that the cauldron was a really simple vessel, right? So it's used mm-hmm. by everyday people to cook food, sustain families and provide sustenance. Mm-hmm. And I like to remember this more perhaps even than the the grand motif of a magic cauldron, because, <laughs> you know, we're earthy, we're earth-based people living an earth-based life, right? So mm-hmm. I love that kind of grounded everyday aspect just to for nourishment and sustaining life. Mm-hmm. That if we think about the cauldron as a vessel for cooking. Anyway, so the system, I'll give you a quick rundown. Um, of tending, tending your three cauldrons involves receiving messages from spirit. Now I don't that depends that's transferable, however that works for you through nature, through guides, familiars maybe for you. get. Like, I don't know much about witchcraft in the terminology sense, mm-hmm. but however you get your messages um, and then putting those messages into meaningful action in your everyday life. So each cauldron requires a different type of action, I guess, but the, it's the action that is the key thing. And what is really interesting, is, as as an aside, is that karma, karma translates directly as action, which I found out recently, and I love that. Right, mm-hmm. so the actions you choose in life are literally your karma, which is great. So the three cauldrons can help you with this; they can help you to choose your actions wisely. So the base cauldron, the lower cauldron, called Kori Goriath in Gaelic, is in the belly or lower belly maybe for you you can feel where your own one is and it's the root of you it's the root of self and it's where your programming happens it's where your unconscious beliefs and values will take hold and can drive like unwanted behavior self-sabotage procrastination fear anxiety depression all these things Mm -hmm. and it's the place where you can discover the truth of who you are or who you should be like who you were at conception, who you were when you came here, right? So mm-hmm. this lower cauldron gets tipped up. You lose all your life force that you're given at birth because it's full at birth. And then it's filled with all this crap. So you have to figure out how to unfill it, clean it, and refill it, essentially, for your lower cauldron. Mm-hmm. And then when you've done some of you don't have to do all of that, but you have to do some of that first. And then you'll get a bit more energy in your life and you'll be able to move up to your mid cauldron, which is called Cori Erma. Gaelic and it's the place of shadow emotions and how we present ourselves to the world so because we struggle often to be seen be vulnerable we struggle with setting boundaries meeting our basic needs day to day often as well mm-hmm. it really is um, the place to kind of deal with that but it's really hard to set boundaries when you're full of fear and anxiety so that's mm-hmm. why we start at the bottom before we move to the middle then we move to the top which is Cori Soish cauldron of wisdom 
and that's the place of like your higher self or your your authentic spiritual being, and it's where you receive imbas, which is the divine knowledge of the gods or the um, divine inspiration. Okay, so this sacred energy is the root of all creativity, all artistry on earth. It allows the words to flow, the paint to mix, the sacred healing spaces to occur. So I I connect with Imbas regularly in my work. But I need to move up and down my cauldrons. I need to check in with my internal landscape. I need Mm -hmm. to keep myself clear so that I can be an open, clear, safe vessel for the energy that I channel and bring forward. So it's a cauldrons path is a circular path. Start at the bottom, might take a good bit of work to get up to embass in a meaningful way and it might happen quickly but the Mm -hmm. key is to be unattached I think so if you're really attached and you want to sprint up to the spiritual bit like oh I'm so spiritual I want to like channel and like mediumship and all that like this is just and none of the bottom stuff happens Mm -hmm. that can be quite dangerous so it gives you that framework to say well here's how I can do this safely here's how I can do this ethically here's how I can ripple out into the world um actual love compassion change strength resilience courage instead of all the other things that people sometimes ripple out when they don't follow a cauldron's path to the Mm -hmm. spiritual part of life i tried to keep that short i don't know how if i did a good job great that was wonderful (laughs) you're doing you're doing great um so i think that segues really well into do you want to tell us a little bit about your daily practice or or your I mean, we call it daily practice, but I don't know. Yeah, I call it definitely daily practice. I mean, one (laughs) thing that I do daily is every morning I'll breathe into my three cauldrons. So just think of them, breathe into them, pay attention to them. I don't do anything necessarily. I'm just connecting. Mm -hmm. And I'll also connect with my guides like I would with my family because they are my family. And I do that every day. And what's good about that is just takes a short amount of time mm-hmm. just to connect me and set me up for my day and short is good because I have a young family and I don't at the moment have space in my life for long complicated rituals all the time which brings mm-hmm. me to the rest of my kind of spiritual practice and my practice is really rooted in the mundane right so I mm-hmm. just go about my day but I'm connecting to the spirituality in all moments of my life at least I try to. I promise mm-hmm. I don't always manage. Sometimes I'm definitively not spiritual. But, you know, <laughs> that's fine. Um, so anyway, I just realised that I spent a lot of my time trying to find the time to be spiritual. Mm-hmm. Right, when have I got time? I'm going to have to set aside time to do this ritual or this journey or this ceremony or this spell or whatever it is. And what I realised was that my spiritual life was what I was missing while I was trying to be spiritual, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of what I do is just live in my life impeccably, thoughtfully, uh, house in right order. I mean, I think that's maybe one of your guys' standard um, mm-hmm. yeah. values as well, isn't it? House yeah. in right order, um, living by my values to the best of my ability. I'll be practising gratitude maybe when I do the dishes or experiencing joy when I'm playing with my daughters or I'll be woman walking with the dog. <laughs> like I. I just love it. Just it's part of my life, and I think there's a tendency for people to have them in separate places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for me, my practice is I just try and bring all of all of it together. Offerings is a big part of my practice as well. Mm-hmm. So offerings to the land. I will observe certain festivals. 
if I can, I don't always manage, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do try. One one thing I do try and do is I try and pay attention to the masculine and feminine aspects of a spiritual life. So I notice that a lot of spiritual teachers, especially like up until fairly recently, were men, and I love men. I love masculinity. But what I noticed was a lot of the teachings from men are long fasts, two days, three day fasts, or mm-hmm. ego dissolution is another one, or ice baths, or these long morning routines. I'm betting these guys don't have kids, right? right. Or and they don't, or they, or they, they don't have, have a great wife, <laughs> or they have a great wife who holds <laughs> space for them, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that is very common. So I try and remember that while these things are the mas- divine masculine types of spirituality, there's a whole feminine side of spirituality mm-hmm. that involves all the things I've just said, you know? So it's, yeah. I do try and remember that and I try and avoid the trap of um, separating my spiritual life out and also holding this ideal of all these really long, complicated, difficult things that actually a lot of the time when not coupled with the sacred feminine don't work. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you, you said something a second ago that I, I really feel like I should try and do, and that's practice gratitude while I'm washing dishes. I really don't like doing the dishes. So that's I what my guides dishes. are like. My guides are like, gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. I'm like, okay, okay. Oh, that's so smart because I really hate dishes a lot. And laundry. Maybe that's what yeah. I should be doing when I need to fold laundry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it does work. I think that, you know, um, I mean, all of our, our beliefs and practices are pretty similar. Well, you and me specifically. They really are. Um, yeah. Because I try and go through, um, I try and make every everything that I do throughout my day as magical as possible, which is the way yeah. I say it, you know, um, pour my coffee with intention. And yeah. um, ideally, I'd like to, to have my whole day like that but I haven't quite gotten there <laughs> um but yeah it sounds sounds absolutely wonderful great um do you have altars I'm yeah yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so we do, what we do. are what are three things that you must have on your altar okay so I think I always have something to represent my ancestors Mm-hmm. And at the moment, that is a little wooden box of my dad's ashes. That's on my altar. And then I will always have something to represent the earth. And at this moment, it's um, my pink quartz. And the story, Beautiful. actually, of how I found this is in the book. Um, oh, it was okay. just like a tiny bit, like poking out, and I found it um, on an uh, up in the outer Hebrides dug it out the land with my fingers so this is usually what represents the earth nice because I feel like it was gifted to me from the earth and then something to honor the spirits of the land and at this time that is this stone so this was given to me during my training from Fintorn by my teacher and I've, I mar- I don't know if you can see this but I've marked it with like ash yeah and then I discovered later that there's something called um painted pebbles or cold stones found in archaeological sites from the first millennium AD that are unique to the north of Scotland where I live and where this is from Pictish in Provenance and there's small round pebbles, probably maybe smaller than this one, 
<laughs> but painted with simple but carefully executed designs and a dye. I mean, there's only the brown stain that survives, so they don't know what mm-hmm. colour it would have been, but it consists of dots, wavy lines, crescents, arcs, circles. Like, That's um, very interesting. I was like, huh. <laughs> hmm, cool. So I feel like this stone really speaks the spirits of the land to me. Yeah. 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 That's, I got chills there. Goosebumps. Um, mm. So if you could meet any, well, I usually ask which in the present yeah. or in history, who would you like to meet? Do you know, I think I would like to meet the last ancestral witch of my maternal line. I think that would be quite magical. There's definitely witchy, mild witchy tendencies down my maternal line, but it's very much lost. Um, but I think that would be a really cool thing to do, the last true witch of my maternal line. That's where yeah. I would go. That's yeah. a good answer. That's a good answer. Yeah. I like it. Um, so we already talked a little bit about this, and you don't yeah. you don't really do tarot or oracle, but you I do. do oracle a bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay, so yeah. if you had to choose, I'm guessing it would be Oracle. <laughs> do you it have would. a favorite deck? I do. Do you know I've got quite a few tarot cards because my dad was a tarot reader, so he left me his cards. So I have them, oh, and nice. I do use them for myself sometimes. I just don't use them for other people. Mm-hmm. And I do have um, – I love an Oracle deck. Do you know that? I really do. Um, my fa- I've got quite a few, but my favorite one at the moment is probably this one, the Mystical Shaman oracle deck oh it looks beautiful yeah this is really nice colette baron reed and our alberto Villoldo and marcella lobos are the authors so alberto Villoldo, he's a well-known shaman and i've taught with him before a lovely man and colette baron reed i don't know her but she seems to write a lot of oracle cards and i just Mm -hmm. really enjoy the way that she writes i think that I, i just always think I can always kind of tell when it's one of her decks if I don't already know. There's mm-hmm. something about the way that she writes that I resonate with. So that's great. I like that's those guys. Great. Yeah. So we are at the point of the recording where I like to ask if my guests would like to share a spell, ritual, or recipe. Uh, mm-hmm. It sounds like you have one that you want to share that's from the book. Yeah. Um, so tell us about it. Sorry. Yeah. It's called, no, it's fine. It's called Recapitulation. Now, originally, the recapitulation was a Toltec technique, which is um, South America, well, sort of Mexico, South America, originally. Mm -hmm. It's where I learned it. Um, But it was too complicated for me. So I'm a distiller. So I have my own version of this um, ritual that I share with probably now thousands of students. And I get emails every week with people telling me how effective this is. So recapitulation, the way that I teach it, is about removing the power from old memories. So it's very much a lower cauldron ritual, recapitulation. Um, It can be used in the middle and in the top cauldron as well. And how it works is, and also warning, if you have PTSD or CPTSD, please be careful. Start with small memories, like your dog died and it was really upsetting, or not that that's small because, you know, I love my animals, but something that's not going to... Just start with something that is a bit upsetting but still safe to go back to in your mind. Okay. So we go back to that 
point in time in your memory and you allow the memory to surface and you allow your memory to um, start happening in your brain. And you're going to feel like, because we want memories that have negative connotations, shame, fear, all these things. You're going to feel that tension in your body. But what you're going to do is, as you watch the memory go through, you're going to breathe. And you're going to breathe in what you lost in that moment. Was it power, your personal power, you know, your Mm. confidence, parts of yourself, whatever is your, you don't need to know what it is. Your intention is to breathe in what you lost. That's all you need to do. And then when you breathe out, you're breathing out anything you picked up that is not yours in that moment. So you can do that a few times. So you're breathing in what's yours that you've lost and you're breathing out what isn't yours as you go through this memory. Now, you might mm-hmm. find that your um, mind just wanders and that's you done. You don't need to drag it back. You might have to do this a few times, but honestly, it's quite quick. Um, usually two or three times is enough for more difficult memories. Maybe five times in a week is enough to take the take the punch out of it. For me, recapitulation, the things I recapitulated, I can't even remember. And they were so bad. These memories were so bad. They were crippling. I know they were, but I just don't even, for the most, a couple I remember, but for the most part, I don't even remember what they were. And I, if you'd asked me, if I thought that was possible, I would have said absolutely not, not possible, but it really, it really is. So I'd love it if you could hmm. like give it a try and then yeah. let me know how you get on with it. I absolutely will. I can think of yeah. several memories that I'd like to work on as soon as we're done. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. It's just magical. It's really good. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, would you like to, I know you don't want to do a card pull, but you're going to do something exciting that's new for all of my listeners. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, I, what I usually do is something called seership, which is like traditionally referred to in Scotland as second sight. So I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll receive visions, um, much like actually oracle cards or tarot cards are like usually quite static visions that I then interpret. That's how I do it. So I thought we could do that. So yeah. I guess this is just like a general see what the guides have got to say. It sounds great. Yeah. Okay. So let's do that. I usually have something in my hand. And seeing as we've got our ancestor stone, we'll use that today. I've got something here that just connects me to the guides and to this moment. So, okay. So the vision is a waterfall. It's quite tall and thin and it's heavy. It's very churning at the bottom. But then as the water moves along, things calm down and it's just quite idyllic and peaceful. So I think there's a message there around the turmoil of life and how it can feel like you're being dropped from a great height and you're being churned like a washing machine and there seems like no hope. But there's always there's always the end point where things are never as bad as they seem. There's always a way to, there's always a way through. And even if they are as bad as they seem, you're you're loved, you're supported. I see that as by my spiritual team, by my guides, whatever that is for you, the love of Mother Earth, nature, your familiars, your um, angels, if you work with angels, they're always there for you. So when you drop from a great height and you're in the tumble of the waterfall and nothing seems... uh, nothing seems like you can even get hold of it that feeling just think about those in spirit who are there to support you 
Yeah, that was Thank beautiful. Thank you for I got the chills there too. <laughs> I love a good goosebump. <laughs> uh, so, do you want to uh, tell the listeners a little bit? I, you have a great website. I was on it a lot today. Uh, you want to talk about your website, what you do uh, with that, and then how yeah. people can get a hold of you? Yeah, so you'll get you'll get me centerforshamanism.com is my website. There's some free drumming tracks. There's like a resources library with loads of how-to guides and stuff. I have a podcast as well called Shaman Talk. And and, and I'm on Instagram at the moment and a little bit on Facebook a little bit on TikTok, but mostly Instagram at the moment. And that is Centre for Shamanism. And if you Google me, you'll find it there as well. And what I encourage anybody who's interested in working a bit with Celtic shamanism is check out all my free stuff. See if you like me, see mm-hmm. if you resonate with what I do. And then if you do resonate with it and you want to do a bit more in the spring, there will be a new membership coming up, which is based on the, th- the book, but it's much more in depth. So it's the Three Cauldrons Pathway course with an attached community and that is coming in uh, maybe april we think Wonderful. this is very exciting yeah that is and there's I, also and an do... sorry no you there's go. also okay there's also an existing membership um that is i'll give you when will this go out by the way quite soon um probably monday oh perfect soon next so one. sometimes it's yeah. like weeks and weeks and weeks so you've got to watch what you say, what you say but if you join the membership now on the next like six to eight weeks, then you'll get the current price of nineteen pounds and ninety nine pence a month, and that mm-hmm. you will keep that price when it changes to the much okay. more in depth, much more stuff, much more expensive membership. So there's a little uh, special secret for your listeners. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Good. To, good to know. Um, yeah. I was going to say that you do have a lot of great free resources. I was looking at those today. And um, for my American listeners, uh, Center is spelled C-E-N-T-R-E rather than the American way. And um, 19 pounds is about $23 right now. Yes, it is. So, (laughs) talk to all that today. (laughs) Um, But it definitely looks like something that um, I know a few people will be interested in. Uh, yeah, I'm currently taking uh, a class for uh, clergy, actually. But um, when I'm finished with that, I might I might pop on there. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to share about any upcoming? Well, you talked about the new um, the new lessons, but are there anything? Is there anything no, else you want to share? We're just concentrating really on that. And I mean, I'm fairly active everywhere. I try and like show up for my community um, so that everybody can access shamanic or Celtic shamanic work for free. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, just check it out really. Come and, come and hang out and see if you like it. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was very, Thanks very interesting. A, just a little aside, my daughter is actually studying Scottish Gaelic right now. <gasps> Amazing. I know. I was so excited. She, when she heard I was talking to you today, she was really upset that she wasn't going to be home. <laughs> oh, Taylor said hi. I will. I will. Yeah, she's, uh, she's been studying it for quite a while and she just speaks to me in it. And I'm like, I don't know what she said, oh. but great. 
Nice. Yeah. Yeah, she's she uh, is actually also going to Scotland and Ireland this uh, May. Oh, amazing. Is yeah. On some sort of, like, trip a, or... A student, like, a school trip. They're, they're going to be there for two weeks and, and spend a lot of time in Scotland and then, like, two or three days, I think, in Ireland. So, oh. I know. I'm so Lucky. Jealous. Lucky, lucky. That's I, I love it here. This is my favorite place. It's so And I live beautiful. in it. <laughs> That's great. That's wonderful. It's nice to love where you live. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks again. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Hearth and Hedge, on my website, thehearthandhedge.com, or you can email me at thehearthandhedge at gmail.com. I also have a Patreon that can be found at patreon.com slash thehearthandhedge. If you like what you hear, consider leaving a review wherever you find your podcasts. (laughs) 